Welcome to another episode of The Scurf Show. This is your host, Nick Scurfield. We're recording on Instagram Live. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, very excited today to be joined by one of my favorite all-time Houston Texans, uh, 10-year NFL veteran, four years with the Texans, six with the Detroit Lions. He made the Pro Bowl and led the NFL in interceptions in 2014. Of course, that was with Detroit and not Houston, unfortunately. Uh, and now uh, an emerging uh, media mogul, uh, Glover Quinn. How you doing, Glover? Oh, man, I'm doing good, man. How are you? Appreciate the intro, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I know who we're talking to here. Um, are you in Houston now? Did you, you move back to Houston after football? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got, um, I mean, it's crazy. I, I always loved Houston, man. I loved the city. I always wanted to live here, even before I got drafted here. Um, I used to come out here a lot as a kid. And so when I got drafted here, man, it was just like a match made in heaven. So we bought a house at the time, and over the course of my career, we bought some land and ended up building a house. So, yep, we're in Houston. Awesome. Uh, so we'll be talking for 30, 40 minutes or so. And if you have questions for Glover, please send them in. We'll try and get to some at the end or throughout the interview. Um, Glover, like myself, is from Mississippi. Uh, we want to talk about that a little bit, um, how you made it to the NFL from there. Also, some news happening in the state of Mississippi in the last few days uh, on the positive side for, for a change. Um, and we want to talk about your NFL backgrounds and memories of Houston, Glover, and Detroit. Uh, but I wanted to start out with what you're doing now. Um, and I want to plug real quick uh, before I have you explain it, um, the DB Room, your new show, and also Clicks Media, your company. Um, can you, uh, I guess, first start with what is Clicks Media? So Clicks Media is just a uh, it's a production company that I started, and it really I really started because I wanted to um, I wanted to sound official, I guess. I mean, I was when I first got into uh, to doing videography, I was trying to do uh, real estate videos and you know just different kinds types of things, and I got to thinking I was like, man, if if, if I start getting clients. Um, you know, I want to I wanna look official. I want to have, like, a company name. I don't want to be like, hey, yeah, it was just Glover Quinn. Like, no, I, I don't want them to, to kind of see me as Glover Quinn, the NFL player. I want them to see me as, you know, this is a production company. This is what I do. This, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, and so I was trying to think of names and, you know, different things that come into mind. I didn't want it to be, like, Texans, Lions, or anything like that. Um, but then I got to thinking, I was talking with my uh, my marketing guy, and we were just kind of coming up with different names, man, and, you know, different concepts. And I wanted something to represent me. I wanted something to represent uh, what my what, what, what my company, what, what I would want it to represent. And so I got to thinking about my, um, my uh, NFL career. And, you know, in 10 years, I played in 159 out of uh, 160 games. So I only missed one game my rookie year. And so it was a lot going on with the Ironman and just different things that I felt like I had to go through and fight through just to be able to play in every single game except for one. And so my uh, marketing guy came at me. He was like, well, how about you call it 159 Media? And I was like, you know what? I kind of like 159. But then I was like, uh. So then we took it a little farther and uh, we looked at it in Roman numerals. 
So CLIX is actually the Roman numeral for 159. Hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I like that because it's the Roman numeral for 159, but it says clicks. So it looks pretty cool. And um, I was like, you know, with cameras and, you know, even media to date, what do people want? They want clicks, right? They want, they want clicks. And so right. that was right. just kind of, that was kind of the whole thought behind it. It's like, you know what? I'm going to start Clicks Media, man. I love that. I love that. And the Instagram is at Clicks Media US, right? Yeah. Clicks and, X Media. And, and, I, and, I was, and I was trying to separate, you know, because I have my personal Instagram page, which, you know, I post, you know, my personal life. Um, and on the clicks page, you know, I try to post things that I do, um, you know, video related, you know, production wise, you know, I had stopped for a little while cause I was getting caught up in doing other things, but I was like, you know what, people that follow me personally, they may not be into the video stuff. And so they may want to see my kids and, you know, some of the things I post on my personal page. And I was like, you know what, there may be some people that want to just want to be interested in the video stuff or the, or the media stuff. And so they can follow that page. And so, yeah, I run probably like four Instagram pages. <laughs> a lot to keep up with. It's a, a lot, lot to... man. So we got a few people joining here. It's going to, uh, Shelby Yannick, um, just joined who works with me at the Skirfield group. Her dad, Kevin Bastine, of course. Oh, your... Kay Bizzle. Kay Bizzle. Uh, Shelby just waved. Um, we had T Love, Lovey commented, "Yes, we love the kids." Um, Proving ground. SSP says GQ with a few exclamations. Bright Mo four eight two two three says, "My boy Glover Detroit misses you." Um, Klein, you guys, man. Gary Kubiak, son. What's up, Klein? Uh, what up, Klein? So we got a we got a few folks in here, and like I said, if you have questions for Glover on the Instagram live. Uh, please send them in, and we'll try and get to a few uh, before the end of the interview. Um, but on the clicks, I love the name, man, and the Roman numerals. I didn't realize that. Um, and talking about 159 games, I, I saw that uh, – I was actually talking with with the Texans the other day, um, and he was doing some research and noticed that you started every single game from 2010 to 2018, every single game of, of, of the full 16-game season. I think it was 12 games before that in, in your rookie year in Houston. Uh, and, man, a testament to the hard work that you put in for sure. Um, you yeah, know, it, was I, crazy. it was crazy. I started I started every single game that I played in after week three. So wow. I had, I had you know, started up until I got hurt and I missed that one game, I think week 13 of my rookie year. But from week three, we had played Jacksonville. And I told this story on the uh, – on my channel, we had played Jacksonville in week three, my rookie year, and defense just didn't play well. Um, I played like nine plays and came in on, on Wednesday, and, and and Coach Gibbs, he just started benching guys, man. He benched, you know, Fred Bennett. Uh, he benched Bryce McCain. You know, they told Jock Reeves, you know, remember Jock? They told mm -hmm. Jock, Jock had broke his leg in training camp, I think, and they told him, Hey, if you can walk, you starting. And that was his that was his week that he was supposed to be coming back anyway. And um, you know, we go out to practice on Wednesday and first ball jock tried to catch in, in warm ups, he breaks his pinky, it popped through the skin and so now I'm just like, Oh wow, he done benched everybody 
his jock just got hurt. I wonder what we're going to do now. And so that Thursday, they, they told me that they were going to let me start at corner, which I hadn't even been playing corner. I had been playing mostly nickel. And, um, you know, Frank Bush came to me and was like, hey, we're going to let you start. Don't give us a reason to, to take it back, you know. And, you know, every time I've told that story, just like however many games later, I never gave him a reason, man. So that's that one thing I was pretty proud of, man, to, to come in and be able to earn a starting spot and then not give it up until, you know, until I was done. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely want to talk more about some football memories here in a little bit. Um, again, if you're just joining, um, we're with Glover Quinn, former Houston Texans and Detroit Lions Pro Bowl back. Uh, check out his uh, – his business Instagram at Clicks Media US, and then also the DB Room, your new show. So I um, see so you have over a thousand subscribers on your YouTube channel um, for the DB Room already, and you've been doing videos. What's what's the DB Room all about? Glover, are you there? Uh, I, yeah, I'm here. I kind of I kind of lost you. I I didn't hear the question. I heard you say oh, okay. I got. Oh yeah. So I was, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Now? Yeah. 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 These are yeah, the barrels of Instagram live technology. So, um, we talked about clicks media a little bit, your video production company, the DB room is a show that you've been doing. I saw you have over a thousand subscribers on YouTube already, and you've been doing interviews with the guys there. Um, what's the DB room all about? So the DB room kind of started, it, it basically, it kind of started off a limb, man. I remember, I remember sitting in, at my house during quarantine. This is where it all started, during quarantine. And we're in a family group text, and we got to talking about some stuff. And I brought up um, how I had met Lil Wayne back in my sophomore year of high school. And I went to sleep that night. I was like, you know what, man, I'm gonna tell that story. And I was like, that's a pretty cool story. I'm gonna tell that story. So I, I couldn't sleep that night because I started thinking of so many different stories that I could tell. And I got up the next morning, it was a Friday, and I, you know, recorded it, and I put it out on, on Instagram, and it got, it got some good views, right? So I was like, man, that was pretty cool. And people was like, man, we need some more stories, right? And so the next week, I did a story about how I picked six Matt Ryan. And some people saw it as a play breakdown, but it was more so the story about what went into it, how it all happened. Um, just kind of the backstory about, you know, and the lesson was all in the preparation, the trust, you know, all those different things, right? And that story got over 11,000 views, I think. So I was like, wow, okay, this is kind of crazy, right? Yeah. So I started telling, I told another story. I told a story about, you know, when I caught the three picks in Houston. I told a story about when I got my first start. And people was asking for more like play breakdowns. Like, man, we, we love, we, we want to hear a play, play breakdown of this interception and this. And I got to thinking, and I was like, you know what? In order for me to do like real play breakdowns, we got to speak the same language. You know, if I'm, if I'm talking cover four, box coverage, you know, versus the double post, you need to understand what I'm talking about or it's not going to really make sense to you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start teaching. I'm just going to start teaching football. I'm just going to start teaching football to fans. And then I started thinking about kids. My, I got sons. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start teaching football. People always talk about my brain and, and being a coach. I was like, I'm going to start teaching football. And then I got to thinking more. I was like, you know what? 
I'm gonna call I'm gonna call my channel the DB room because everywhere I've always been, the DBs always have the coolest room. Everybody always wanna hang out with the DBs. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the DB room. And you know, we, we do a lot of stuff in the DB room. We have guest speakers, you know, we talk football, we talk life. We're we're not just focused on being great football players. We try to be great human beings and how we can influence other people. So I was like that's kind of what I want my channel to be about. I don't want it to just be about, hey, come here for a play breakdown to be a better football player. Yeah, we're going to do some of that stuff, but we're also going to have people come in and we're going to talk about life and how we can be better and how we can inspire and motivate people because at the end of the day, that's, that's what you want to do, right? You want to be the best you that you can be. So let's be the best football player we can be. Let's be the best fan that we can be. And then let's be the best person that we can be. And so that's kind of what I did. And so – I started, you know, doing live interviews once a week. Try to do it once a week. It gets kind of tough because I'm I'm a one man crew, you know. Um, yeah, I like it. It it, it, get, it get kind of tough, man. Trying to get everything prepared and all that stuff, but you know, it, it's been fun, man. I love I love doing it, and I I literally just sit in my house and and do it live, and you know, I love the I love the feeling of doing it live because. As as athletes, a lot of times people see us as these great guys, right? These great people, and they don't feel like we have flaws. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they see people that screw up in TV and, and, and on the news, but a lot of times they feel like we are these urban myths or they're just people that just like, we only exist on TV, right? And so when you do things on live, man, your flaws show, you know, things happen live, and it's just like, man, I didn't know how to do that. Or, you know, I didn't, hey, that was wrong. But, and it just kind of shows the human side of it, man. And, that, and that's kind of one thing that I love is being able to show the human side of athletes. You know, we're, we're athletes and this is what we do for a living. But we're human just like everybody else. You know, we, we, we wake up the same way. You know, we, we do the same things. And so I love it, man. It's, it's fun. And like I said, it's easy for me. Well, not easy, but I get to sit in my house and, and, and have a good time with it. Yeah, you can definitely tell you're having fun with it. And yeah, the, to your point, the live stuff, you know, I've been recording a lot of my podcasts and Instagram live and it's real life. You know, we have a yeah. phone for a second. I came in here all sweaty today, just got off a bike ride, you know, my fans not working right or whatever. But I think there's something to though, the authenticity, you know, of having a real conversation with somebody, which, which I think is something great that you've been doing. Who do you have coming on the show next? I got, um, I don't know actually when this is going to air, but, I got Calvin coming on. I got, I got. Yeah, go over. yeah, we had a little. Yeah. I said I got Calvin Johnson coming on tonight. Okay. Okay. And that's, uh, is it 7 o'clock Eastern or Central? What time does it start? Uh, it's going to be 8 o'clock. So 8 o'clock tonight, Central. All right. Alvin Johnson, how many – you played with him how many years in Detroit? Uh, I played with him – he retired in 15, so I played with him three seasons. Wow. So not just DBs in the DB room. You let a wide receiver in. Oh, man. I, I, I said at the beginning, we don't discriminate. Everybody loves to hang out in the DB room. Everybody's welcome in the DB room. Come in. Come join the show. Come check it out. You want to be on, let me know. We'll try to get people on. Just want to have a good time and create a good platform for, for guys to be themselves and talk. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, Calvin Johnson tonight on the DB Room, so make sure to check that out. Um, yeah, we'll post this podcast um, tomorrow, um, so it'll, it'll be up after the fact, but definitely looking forward to, to checking that. And you're, after you finish the shows, they're all up on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, they're all on my YouTube channel, the, the DB Room. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's live streams, it's, it's some play breakdowns, you know, just talking, coverages, different things, some stories. It's a b- whole bunch of stuff on there, man. Go check it out. What was, uh, what was Calvin Johnson like going up against in practice or, or in games if you ever played against him in a game? Man, he was a monster, man. He was, he was a monster, bro. Like, this dude worked extremely hard. I mean, he – Dude, he could run like a like a gazelle. He was big. He was he was a cheat code, man. He was and he was the nicest guy, quiet, you know. So I can't wait to, to ask him about, you know, what it was like to be Calvin Johnson and what it was like to be Megatron. Because yeah. it's two it was actually two totally different people. Yeah. It's a good segue into just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your NFL background. We we touched on a little bit at the beginning. You also play with Andre Johnson in Houston for quite a while. I know you guys were, were good friends. What are some of your memories of, of Andre? Man, I remember the first time I met Andre, man, I was, you know, I was a little rookie. I was starstruck. I was, and I remember coming into the player lounge back then, but the whole group of, the whole group of rookies, you know, we show up for, um, we show up for uh, physicals and OTAs and I show up and we go in the player lounges, all of the rookies. And there's nobody in the players' lounge but Andre Johnson. He's sitting on the couch in front of the TV. He got his Subway sandwich and some chips, you know, on the table. And he's sitting there in front of the TV. And the door opens up and, you know, 15, 16 guys come in, or all all the rookies, right? Andre didn't turn his head one time. Like, he kept eating his food. He kept watching the TV. All of us came in, and we kind of stood around, and nobody wanted to sit on the couch. Nobody sat on the couch, and we just stood around, and we let him eat his food. And I, I kid you not, it took me it took me a few weeks and maybe even over some months before I could even, like, speak to him. I was It was just like that. It was... We would go out to practice, and, you know, my roommate at the time, Bryce McCain, we would always come home and be like, man, did you speak to Andre today? He was like, nah, man, I couldn't, I couldn't say nothing to him. And, um, you know, I remember I caught an interception in, uh, in practice, and I was running it back, and Andre wasn't in at the time, and he kind of faked like he was going to, like, tag me off or tackle me. And when he did that, I went back to the room, and I was like, hey, man, I spoke to Andre today because after practice, I ended up saying something to him. So it was just kind of like, man, I finally, I finally got to say something to Andre. But it was just kind of like, you know, I felt like once I had caught a few picks and then he ended up trying to, like, go after me, I kind of felt like, all right, maybe, you know, I could say something to him. Now, I felt like I had to earn the right to say something to him. That was crazy. <laughs> Funny. Andre, Andre was a monster, man. Yeah. You hear a lot of guys say stuff like that that, that played with him um, as well. But, yeah, definitely a, a living legend, you know, in his own time here in Houston. For people that don't remember, I mean, that 2010 season, which I think was your second season, right, was yeah. a, um, for the Texans. That was, um, I think, the, the past defense had a really hard season, and a lot of you guys were kind of thrown to the fire there. 
um, you kind of had your feet thrown to the fire and had to hit the ground running from, from the start of your career. What do you remember about the beginning of your career in Houston? Um, you know, like I said, I remember coming in with OTAs and I, I caught three picks the first three days. And, um, you know, I kind of got off to a good start in OTAs. I think I ended up with five throughout the OTAs. And we come back for training camp. Like I said, I was just – I was playing nickel. I wasn't even really – they didn't draft me to play corner. They drafted me to play the nickel, and that's what I was doing. And, uh, you know, the, the season starts, and I remember the first game played against the Jets. And, you know, it was a tough game. We got beat. Mark Sanchez beat us at home opening day. And, you know, we go to Tennessee the next week, and we beat Tennessee in a great game, get to fighting a little bit. It was That was always fun. And then all of a sudden, I'm I'm thrown out there, and 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 I'm the guy that's 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 starting. And as a as a rookie, only thing I knew was play to my strengths. You know, play to my strengths, and my strength was being a physical guy and having good ball skills. I was I was never a cover corner. Um, I didn't come out as just a super fast, you know, legit legit cover corner. But I could play football. You know, I had good technique, and I I could survive because I was smart. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I I played to those strengths of mine and just be consistent, you know. And so, you know, I remember all those games. I remember playing on, man, so many games my rookie year. Like playing against Peyton Manning was crazy. It was scary all at the same time. You know, it was it was all like crazy, man. I, I didn't catch one interception my whole rookie year. Matter of fact, I didn't catch an interception until November of my second year. Um, but I had a lot of tackles, man. It was just fun, man. I was just I, I could constantly feel myself getting more comfortable, getting better. Obviously, the coaches liked what I was doing. I kept starting, kept playing, and um, yeah, man. But that second year, like you said, we didn't we didn't play well. You know, I think we finished up, you know, almost last in in defense. You know. We, we had got rid of Dante Robinson. So it was me and Kareem at the corner, two young guys. You know, I was a second-year guy, and I was asked to be, like, the leader of the corners. And I'm sitting here like, man, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to survive. And, and you know, it worked out, though. You know, it worked out. We we, uh, we ended up getting weighed the next year. And uh, we went from, you know, almost the worst defense to the best defense. And so um I went on to, to do well in my career and Kareem has went on to do well in his career so it uh we got thrown to the fire but uh I, I I must say I think we uh I think we swam a little bit for sure what's what stands out to you when you think back about the the playoff seasons in 2011 and 12 in Houston man those years were so much fun man we played some like the defense that we were playing off that was like all around some of the best teams offensively you know Having Aaron Foster in the backfield, Matt Schaub, Andre Johnson, Owen Daniels, you know, Dwayne Brown, Chris Myers, Ed Winston, all, like the, all, all, all those guys, Kevin Walters, Jacoby for a year. And then defensively having – I mean, I think, I think we've had eight guys on that defense that have, have made, made Pro Bowls throughout their career. You know, I think, you know, you look at the secondary, you had me, you had J. Joe who's made Pro Bowls. You know, Kareem and D-Man haven't made – didn't make one yet. Um, and then you had D'Amico Rines, Brian Cushion, Connor Barwin, Mario Williams at the linebackers with Sean Cody, Antonio Smith, J.J. Watt. Like, that was um, that was a crazy defense. And uh, we started out kind of slow that year. We started out, I think we were two and two, maybe even three and two, or two and three. 
And then we went on like a seven game winning streak. It just something happened and we went on a seven game winning streak and we just whooping teams. And we ended up getting like 10 and three, I think. And we had clinched a playoff spot. We beat um, Cincinnati up in Cincinnati and clinched our, our first division. And so I think we ended up losing the last three games that season because we kind of rested or wasn't playing. I think we ended up 10 and six, but we had already won our division. And, um, you know, that first playoff game against Cincinnati was, man, it was crazy. It was it was crazy, man. It was it was fun. It was an electric atmosphere. And, and to get the win was was incredible, too. Obviously, we, we lost the next game in Baltimore. Um, we got off to a great start in those guys. Should have had that game going, you know, a couple of plays, turned it, and, and we lost that one. But then to come back the next year, 2012, and I think we started out, what, it was like, Five and one, or something like that. Mm. Um, no, it was like five and zero, oh. and then we lost to uh, Green Bay. I think on Mon- on Sunday Night Football, we got beat pretty good. Aaron Rodgers did us in, but then we came back the next week. I think against Baltimore and beat them like forty something to fourteen or something like that. And we ended up going, you know, twelve and four that year. It was like twelve and two at one point. And that's probably the that's probably the one thing that that hurt us is you know we got to twelve and two, and we lose at home to Minnesota in week sixteen, when we could have clinched the number one seed, and then we had to go on the road to Indy in week seventeen, and we end up losing that one. So instead of getting the number one seed, we end up getting a three seed, and so in doing in doing that, you know. We, if we'd have been the number one seed, we'd end up having to play Baltimore again, which can't – I mean, they, they, they had a good run. But the way we had played them early in the year, I think we would have had some some real good momentum and real good feelings about going out and beating those guys in the playoffs. But we ended up getting the three seed, so we played Cincinnati again, the six, and then we ended up having to go to New England to play the two, and we ended up losing, and Baltimore went to Denver – and beat the one, and Baltimore went on to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, it, 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 that was a regretful time. Obviously, hope wishing that we could have closed out that season. But nonetheless, man, it was fun, man. It was some great runs, some great games, man, electric atmosphere. You know, I learned a lot. And a lot of that stuff I took with me to, to Detroit to try to help turn that organization around. So it worked out good for me. We have a, a comment from a Global Kid Media that said, Lions are missing the energy of Glover. Uh, see a lot of Lions fans on here just commenting how they. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, before, uh, well, I I always say that, um, in my opinion, the Texans letting you go, uh, or, or you left in free agency, and the Texans not re-signing you, I think is one of the biggest mistakes that the franchise has ever made, and I think a lot of Houston fans would agree with that. I got to ask you about that, about you know what that was like, and and were you disappointed when the way all that went down? Yeah, well, I said I, I used to say that and kind of feel that way up until uh, they just let DeAndre Hopkins go. So I feel like that kind of trumps, you know, me. But um, that was that was a crazy time because, like I said, I, I wanted to I wanted to stay here, and I felt like I was coming into a, a part of my career where I was the future. You know, looking at secondary, looking at everything that I was being asked to do, um, I felt like I was the future, and you know, I wanted to stay. Um, Rick Smith and them kind of drug me around, kind of telling me they were going to resign me when I kind of felt like they knew the whole time that they wasn't. 
and I kind of knew it as well. You know, I knew something was going to have to shake because we had a lot of money tied up in the secondary. They had signed Jonathan Joseph the year before to a big deal. They had signed D- Daniel Manning to a big deal. So we had two um, big deals in the secondary. They had drafted Kareem first round, so he was taking up a lot of money. So I knew for me to get a deal that I felt like I was worth or, or I wanted, that would have been a lot of money tied up in the secondary. And I understood that, but I held out hope that they would make something happen. And um, like I said, Rick was telling me that they was, they was going to do it. But um, once the offseason came, you know, I didn't hear anything from those guys. And then, um, you know, I mean, even up until, you know, I'm on my visit in Detroit. And, you know, when I, even when I went on my visit to Detroit, I didn't go out there, honestly, with the intentions of signing. You know, I went out there, you know, with the intentions of hopefully – the Texans, you know, would, would feel like, okay, he's actually going to leave us and make me a good offer. And when I went out there, the, the Lions showed me a lot of love and, and you know, they made me an offer. And even when they made the offer, I hit my agent. I was like, hey, hit the Texans and see if they'll match the offer. Because if they didn't match the offer, I would have stayed, right? But when my agent hit the, the Texans, the Texans, from what I was told, and I saw it on the TV, the Texans released the fact that I had agreed to terms with the Lions. And I had huh. never even I had never even agreed to terms with the Lions. So you could see it on TV. It said the Glover Quinn agrees to terms with the Lions. Then it comes right back. Glover Quinn does not agree to terms with the Lions. Huh. And then I was like, you know, I talked to my agent and he was like, all right, well, you know what? One thing about me, I always wanted to go somewhere where I was wanted and be somewhere where I was wanted. I was like, the Texans obviously don't want me. The Detroit Lions do, so let's make it work with Detroit. And so that's how I ended up signing in Detroit, which, I mean, I, I told somebody the other day, probably was one of the best decisions of my career, uh, looking at it in hindsight. But, yeah, you know, leaving Houston was tough, man. It was tough. I cried, you know, but I was a part of it. Well, we've had a lot of Detroit fans here on the Instagram Live commenting, um, Speaking of Detroit, I mean, you had a great a great career in Detroit. Six years, started every game. Like I mentioned at the top, you led the NFL in interceptions in 2014, the Pro Bowl. What are um, what are some fond memories that stand out to you about the city of Detroit and your time there? Man, you know, I had a great time there, man. You know, from the time I got there to when I left, you know, to be able to help the organization, try to turn that organization around, help the city. Um, I mean, hardworking people out there, man, and, you know, fans loved it. You know, I just I just kind of took pride in trying to be the guy to, to turn it around, um, to, to try to gain respect because from, from, from playing those guys, we always looked at Detroit and was like, man, those guys got a lot of talent and you never could want – you never could understand why they couldn't win. And so – when I got a chance to to go there, I wanted to do everything I could to try to like fix that, to help them to win, because they always had talent. And even when I got there, they had tons of talent. But it was like, how can we, you know, fix the organization, get the players to change mentality, so you know we can win games. And so that was a big thing of mine, man. And you know, Coach Caldwell came in and and helped out, and you know, our personalities matched and. You know, we created a great environment out there and, and, you know, being able to make the playoffs, 
play in some, you know, some championship, division championship games in week 17 against Green Bay. Like, no, we didn't win those games. And people be like, well, you know, y'all didn't win them. So, yeah, like, but when you think about an organization, man, you have to build. You have to grow. You have to, to, to build. And so to go from being an afterthought in the division to actually playing in championship games, like, you're changing the culture. Yeah, it may take, you know, some players to come in and help you get over that hump. Obviously, they thought it took a new coach to get over that hump, and, you know, they've taken some steps backwards. But to to the years that I had out there, those six years, you know, football-wise was great. You know, in, was able to lead the league in interceptions. The impact I had off the field with the community, the impact in the locker room. Like, it was, it was something, like I said, probably ended up being probably one of the best decisions that I, that I made. Yeah, we had a, a comment from Sonny. KH said Detroit is so blessed that that happened, that you went there. Shelby said hashtag one pride. Uh, <laughs> a couple other comments. And Texas. Mm. Um, I, I want to ask you just to, to, as we close things out here, and, and again, if you're just joining, um, check out Glover's uh, accounts on Instagram and YouTube, uh, the DB Room. Joey's been hosting weekly on, on YouTube. They've already got over a thousand subscribers. He's going with Calvin Johnson, Megatron later tonight. It's going to be live. And uh, Clicks Media is uh, Glover's video production company that he's been doing. Uh, uh, Ramo XX23 said, "Best player in Detroit," in all caps. And <laughs> another shout out about what's up, Lobo Legend. And so yeah. I want to ask uh, before the NFL. So Lobos, of course, you're you're all the modern New Mexico. Um, before that, you and I uh, both grew up in Mississippi, and uh, I wanted to ask you just about how you got from there to the NFL. Um, you know, you're from Macomb, right? Is where? Yeah. How many people live in Macomb? Um, I don't even know right now. I mean, I think the whole Pike County is probably about forty thousand, so Macomb might be twenty of that, maybe if yeah. if that. Um, I don't really know. It's, it's it, you know, Macomb is. I'm from I'm actually from Summit. It's in Pike County. It's right next to Macomb. So a lot of people haven't heard of Summit. So I kind of say Macomb. It's just kind of like, you know, being from, you know, Richmond. But most people might say I'm from Houston, you know, because, right. you know, you don't know Richmond like that. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I, I ended up going JUCO. I went to JUCO out of high school. And, you know, I didn't get, I didn't re get recruited you know, like by any of the big schools coming out. I was getting recruited by, I guess, Mississippi State. Never got offered. They had a coaching change that year. Cheryl left. Kroom came in. So that didn't work out for me. And so I went JUCO. Um, I had grades and everything. So I went to JUCO with the plans of playing one semester and leaving. And I ended up breaking my arm my, my first year. So I had to stick around and play the next year. Well, the next year came and Hurricane Katrina hit. So we only had eight games. Two of those got canceled. So I only had six games. So I only played eight games. I played two games my first year at JUCO and missed the rest of the season, then six games my second year. So I played in eight total games in JUCO. And, you know, I think the thing that helped me was the fact that I had grades and I could play um, because New Mexico, New Mexico recruited a lot of Mississippi JUCO at the time because, you know, being in between Texas and Arizona and California, New Mexico was always getting like the, you know, the bottom tier recruits. All those other guys were going to the bigger schools. But playing in the Mountain West with BYU, Utah, TCU at the time, all those bigger schools, 
they had to recruit JUCO to be able to compete. They had to recruit guys that could come in and help them play. And so the year I went out there, they had just graduated three seniors, they had three senior corners, and all three of them left. And so they needed some sex and some corner help big time. And so they came to um, they came to Mississippi JUCO, and I was one of those guys that was, you know, showed ability that could play. But also, I had the grades. I was graduating that, that December anyway, so I was able to leave mid-year to go out in the spring and be able to go through spring ball with them. So I was just – I was an attractive uh, prospect, and, you know, it all worked out. You know, I went out there on a visit, and once again, I had no, no idea about New Mexico, but they wanted me. And that was, that was kind of the theme of, of my career. I always wanted to, you know – show love and do whatever I could for the, for people that wanted me. Um, I, I said this on, on one of my stories. It was like, you know, I never wanted to prove people wrong. You know, I, I always wanted to prove people right, people that believed in me. Um, so New Mexico, they wanted me, bump it, let's go. And I went to New Mexico and it worked out. Um, and so that's just kind of been a theme for me, man. And I don't know. I had a great time in New Mexico. I met my wife in New Mexico. I grew up, you know, I tell people all the time, I wasn't afraid to leave home. You know, I went 16, 17 hours away from home because I had a dream. I had a goal. I had something that I wanted to, to, to do, and I did it. And, you know, leaving home was something that I had to conquer, and I didn't, I didn't let that stop me. Yeah, I, I think my high school, actually, I was in Gulfport on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and we – I think we played in Summit a couple times, uh, and it was a long bus ride for us. Uh, but that's, I mean, we're talking a really small town. Uh, growing up as a kid there, did you have aspirations for the NFL, or how realistic did you think that was a small town in Mississippi? I mean, it, it, it was tough, man. I got, I, the NFL seemed so far away uh, growing up there. The closest team to you is the New Orleans Saints, and – you know, that's an hour and a half, two hours away. But it just seems so far away because you, you were in the country. Um, you know, we didn't have any players showing up to our school. You know, you know, like, it just seemed so far away. It, it seemed like it only existed on TV. That was just kind of how, how it was. And, you know, so I, I just kind of felt like I had to do everything that I could do to give myself a chance. And so first thing was I had to – to, to have the grades. I had to stay out of trouble, have the grades so that I can go to school and, and, and continue to get the opportunity to play, you know. And, and one that I do, my dad drove me a lot just because, you know, he was a great football player and I grew up hearing all about how great he was. And, you know, I wanted to outdo my dad. And one thing I told myself is, you know, my dad told me a lot of stories about what he could have done and what he should have done. And I appreciated all those stories because what I took from those stories is, I didn't want to have to tell my kids what I could have done or what I should have done. So I was like, I'm going to go as far as I can go. And I'm going to tell my kids that I stopped when I wanted to stop, not, you know, out of high school and wish that, you know, what I could have played. And so I appreciate my dad for telling me all that stuff and, and being vulnerable with me and talking to me about it. And, you know, I took it to heart and, you know, we've, we've talked about it and he's, He's had a, he's got an opportunity to, to to experience all of the NFL stuff through me, and he's told me how appreciative he he is of that. And so that's that's all been good, man. Um, but it was tough, man. 
it was tough. I will say that it was it was tough. Yeah, and, and along those lines, I did want to ask you just um, news that came out of Mississippi over the last few days. They, uh, the legislature finally voted to change the flag, state flag, uh, to remove the Confederate flag from the corner of it. I think the governor signed a bill yesterday to finally change that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that as someone who grew up there? Um, I, mean, I, I think that's a good move. You know, I, I feel like that's, you know, in the climate that we're in right now, I mean, I feel like that 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 flag, that that symbol, you know, it it symbolizes so many things that, um, you know, are not good in in our country. And so, for for people to finally be taking note of that and you know trying to make change, you know, it's it's symbolizing that, you know, we are hopefully on the right track to to create change. And you know, Mississippi is obviously one of those southern those southern, you know, states and, you know, racism and things like that, you know, it's, it's still alive in, in some of those places down there. You know, I'm not going to even try to sugarcoat it. It is still alive in some of those places down there. Um, so to have something like that happen, you know, can send a big message that, hey, you know, we're not going to tolerate that stuff. We're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to, change and, 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 and really, really mean it, really do something about it. And I just talk about it, but really do something about it. So um, I didn't even know that until you told me about it the other day. And so I was uh, happy to see that. Yeah. Do you still have family in Mississippi? Yeah, my mom, my mom, my dad still live there. I got one of my sisters still live there and her family. So then obviously all my cousins and stuff live right there. But um, yeah, my mom still live right there, man. My dad, you um, so I go back there every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I can remember in high school, you know, driving by that flag with, you know, basketball games and football games with my teammates and, you know, the bus just going quiet and things like that. Um, I mean, do you do you have memories like that from, from growing up and seeing that in your childhood? No, I, I really don't, man. Like, I didn't really – you know, the, the town that I grew up in um, – you know, I can't speak for everybody else. You know, I didn't really uh, experience um, racism that I can remember. Um, I went, I went to a predominantly white school. Um, you know, I was, I was a good athlete. I was a good student. You know, I was voted Mr. North Pike. You know, of my school. Um, you know, we did have some things that were. I would guess I, I would say segregatish. You know, we had we had separate proms. You know, we had a black prom and a white prom. Um, you know, but we graduated together. We went classes were together. Like everything else was kind of kind of normal. Um, but I don't really remember anything as far as you know, seeing the flag and and you know, it wasn't it wasn't just thrown in our face a lot. You know, we it wasn't just hanging around, and we see it all the time. Um, so it, it wasn't one of those things that was just huge, hugely prevalent in in, in my face or, or in my life when I was growing up and where I grew up at. Yeah, we have some comments from someone just says about time they did that. Uh, somebody's asking if you play two K. I know you were a really good Madden player back in the day. Are you? Uh... <laughs> nah, man, I don't have time to game anymore, man. Uh, I can't remember the last time I played a game. Every now and then, I guess my kids ask me to come up and play. They, 
they think they're getting a little better. So I'll play them a little bit, but that's man. about it. Well, um, again, Glover Quinn, well, thank you for joining, man. And, um, again, this full video will be up later on, on YouTube, on the Scurf Show, Apple Podcasts, Google Pod, Podcasts, and Spotify. And just one more time, Glover, um, could you just tell people uh, where they can find Clicks Media in the DB room? Man, you follow us on, on Instagram, um, Clicks Media, that's US, um, the DB room. I run that page. That's my uh, channel where I talk football and, and inspire, motivate. You can find us on YouTube in the DB room. You can find me on Facebook. It's actually my Global Quinn. It's a fan page that I actually run. Um, I can't change the name to the DB Room yet, so I just still kind of use it like the DB Room Instagram main Facebook page. Um, so tonight we'll be uh, streaming Calvin Johnson. Should be on Facebook. Should be on YouTube. Hopefully I set everything up right so that it streams to both places. But, hey, never know. It might work. It might not. Hopefully it do, though, so. But it should be on one of those platforms, YouTube or or Facebook. So, and that's kind of it, man. That's that's what I do. It's it's fun, and you know, appreciate Nick for having me on. Yeah, thank you, man. It's great to see you staying busy and um and that creative outlet out there. And if you need video production, look him up. Uh, looking forward to seeing more of the DB room, Glover. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate catching up with you. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks.